welcome to the podcast Unimagined, where current and former students share how they imagine education in schools could be regarding student leadership. We ask them to share about their experiences and offer advice on how we can all do better. In this episode, Ellery is a current junior at a private boarding school. She has experienced five different types of school systems, and she talks about how the different systems impact her learning. She also repeated her freshman year, which was a new idea for me as a public school educator. Repeating is seen as a detriment, but in her case, And other students, we learn that reclassing can provide students an opportunity to grow and find more maturity to support their learning. Welcome to Unimagined. The first thing that I would like to start with is having you just share a little bit about who you are. I'm Ellery. I'm from Massachusetts. I'm a rising junior at Brewster. I have two brothers and I've been to five different schools. Were there any of your leadership qualities, forgiveness, kindness, curiosity, appreciation of beauty and excellence that surprised you? I think forgiveness a little bit. I think that surprised me because I feel like sometimes I'll like pretend I forgave someone, but I don't necessarily forgive it. Tell me a little bit about curiosity. Where do you see that showing up for you? At one point, I had no curiosity in the classroom, I'd probably say. But I think that as you get older and you get to pick more and decide what you want to be interested in, curiosity has come a little bit about. I also really enjoy having conversation with other people. And I think that's another point of curiosity. Going to lots of different schools, especially the boarding school with your peers that you get to know them more in depth and thoroughly. I think that also sparked curiosity because I just realized everyone has different stories and stuff. I thought that was really interesting. You probably find that to be one of your best assets when you are in student leadership is getting to know people. I feel like you can't really lead other people unless you know about them and you have a deeper sense and understanding of them. What are the benefits and perhaps what are the drawbacks of reclassing? And for you, what was the reasons why you decided to reclass for your freshman year? The school I came to before was eighth and ninth grade, but ended in ninth grade. And for me, coming into a boarding school, I wanted to be fully immersed in it. I decided to reclass so that I could have the four-year experience. And I think most schools introduce freshmen better than any other grade. Everyone's new. The bond you have freshman year carries throughout the school. I think I see more cons with most of my home friends are all the year above me. So I think that it's definitely a weird concept to see them like moving on, looking into college, becoming seniors. Whereas like, I'm still pretty fairly heavily in high school. There's an advantage because you're older in the grade that you're in. I think coming in as a true freshman and going to boarding school is a really early time to leave. You've never experienced high school anywhere else. So there's definitely an advantage where I was able to do the academics thing. And the biggest adjustment for me was probably the social scene and living with. There's obviously a huge difference between eighth grade and freshman year in terms of workload. Knowing that I had already done a freshman year somewhere else was also a benefit I got. Which educational system do you think served you best and why you felt like that system worked so well for you. There's benefits to all of them, but I would say the best one for me that I probably made the most growth in 
was probably Carol. I think if I hadn't gone to Carol, I wouldn't necessarily have been able to allow myself more to grow and advocate and see that asking for help isn't a weakness. That was probably my biggest thing before Carol. I could ask for help, but I didn't want to do it because it just felt like being a burden to like other teachers. They make you ask for help. If you're not doing well, they're gonna obviously find you. The whole idea of them not letting you coast was probably what works best for the education system. On the other side, can you tell me the system that you found the most struggle in and why? I think I found the most struggle probably at public school. I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was young. But for the most part, I didn't really struggle a ton because it was a simple school. There wasn't a big workload or anything. But with public schools, the special education, they can only give you so much depending on like what the state allows. They only had so much freedom. And that was kind of what made it hard for me because it felt like there was no help. If there was no help that I could get, I didn't have any need to ask for help because I was like, there's no way they can get me out of this situation. What do you think the biggest difference between public school and private school is? For me, it was just size. I think the thing about it is having smaller classes means the teachers can provide more attention to each kid. I think with public school, it's almost like the kids will check out, but sometimes the teachers check out too because the class sizes are so big. There's only so much they can do. And if you've got seven kids struggling in your class and like five doing well, you're obviously going to pay more attention to the ones doing well. What made your parents or you look at Carol? Well, there's a few things. I've never been to that big of a school. My town is very small, but I think it was just hard because I played sports with all those girls. I did everything with them. I think it kind of just made it easier to check out in a public school setting like that. My younger brother, he's still at the public schools. I think he likes it, but he has a lot of anxiety, so he struggles a little bit there. I was wondering if you had some advice that you might be able to share for help avoid the struggles for your brothers and yourself. Having that connection and having relationships where you feel that you can be vulnerable and like share your struggles, that's really the only way to get help. Just making sure you have good connections. And I think people get caught up a lot in like social scenes and stuff. But I think when it comes down to it, like having a good friend or family or someone that you can just be vulnerable with and know will still like you and not just like move on and forget about it. I think that's one of the most important things to get from like any relationship with anyone. So do you think they had those relationships with teachers in their lives? I think, yeah, I would say at the public school we went to, like, I feel like this is similar about a lot of public schools and just a lot of the bigger schools in general. There's always a couple really good ones. But it's hard because there's always some that just are there for the paycheck. And so, like, I think that for my older brother, he, he had a few teachers that were sort of, like, by his side. But I think it was just hard to navigate it all at once. My parents have been super proactive about it and really supportive about it, which is good. My mom, she's really interested in the education system. So I think having someone like that is also very helpful to have because they understand, like, the education system isn't perfect and there's a lot of issues in it. You mentioned that you didn't love math and that math has been a struggle for you. Do you think you're alone in struggling in math. I used to think that, but mm. at this point, but I think a lot of kids think that they're the only ones that struggles with the subject because teachers have a tendency to make you feel like that at times. I think that like teachers can just focus on the kids that are doing really well and like almost get frustrated with the kids that aren't. It makes sense, but it's sort of a toxic behavior because I think middle school and high school both are very like transformative times for people. People have to be really intentional with their words and their messages and their attitudes even. Some teachers just got frustrated about it. Even if you are the only one struggling on this one math problem, doesn't mean you're the only one struggling in every. One of my friends this year, we had every class together and I was better at English and history and she was better at math and science. So we would just collaborate on everything. And it worked perfectly. It made sense. Like some stuff made sense to me and I could explain it to her and some stuff made sense to her and she could explain it to me. That's the biggest thing that some kids have a hard time with is getting collaboration. 
out of times where they're struggling. Asking for help from a teacher is a lot easier than asking for help from a peer. Asking for help from a peer can get messy. I feel like stupid at this time, whatever. Learning how to collaborate where it's like everybody has their own thing they bring to the table is like something teachers need to reinforce more. Can you share some advice on how a teacher might shift the things they say or do in order to let kids know that they're not the only ones struggling? Checking in. I think I would always get scared when people were like, do you understand this? Like the teacher would ask that to the class. And then half the kids always said no. Like you would realize, oh, but it takes one kid to say no for the other kids to say no. That's the hard thing. You need leaders in the classroom that are able to say, no, I don't really understand this. And then everyone can kind of go off that and be like, me too. I have no idea what we're doing, which like, obviously I think is a better way to go about things. Reinforcing check-ins and that's a good thing. I almost think making it okay to say, no, I don't get it. You have, like, you have to wait for the answer. Some teachers <laughs> ask the question, move on. You got to wait for the answer and hear it. Or even say, who's struggling with this? Because that implies that the struggle is normal. Even so implying that someone's got to be struggling, saying, who needs help? Someone needs help. Because someone always does normally need help. There's a difference between struggle and fear of the subject. Where do you think that shift happens? For me, at the beginning for math, I don't know why, but I had this like mental block and I could barely do three plus three. But I did this like program that literally went from like first grade to eighth grade. And we just went through all the basic math stuff. So it peeled back any pressure about math, any pressure behind. After we had learned all the basic stuff, I know how to do plenty of this stuff. It's just when you add things on that if you get lost at one point and you keep adding things on, it only gets worse. So I think peeling back sometimes, taking it back from the fun fundamentals is helpful. Kids have a hard time asking questions that they think have already been asked. Making it so kids can ask questions about just fundamental science, fundamental math, whatever, is definitely really helpful. But I think the fear comes in when too many things are piled on top of it. And the fear comes in too when you think you're five steps behind. If it's okay for a kid to be five steps behind and share their input and be like, I'm really lost right now, and your classroom is a space for that, the kid probably won't be like as fearful of it when they're in their classes in the future. Do you feel like you had a fear of math? And when do you see it sort of surfacing for you? I've always had a hard time taking tests. And that all comes from sort of math tests. Because if I knew every concept I ever learned, I probably wouldn't have an issue taking tests because I'd always be in it right. But obviously, no one knows every concept they've ever learned. That's like the point of learning. For me with math, at one point, I had sort of checked out because I was lost and I didn't feel like asking help. Once I had recognized I'd checked out, if I check back in right now, I've lost so many things that it's not really worth going to the teacher right now. She's going to have no idea what to do with me. To your question, which was, how do you see it resurfacing? I think now, I feel like people are put on the spot a little bit with tests. And I think that's why I have a hard time with it sometimes because I have had tests in the past I've failed. It's interesting that one class can infiltrate other classes in the same sort of scenario, right? Like, so test taking can really mm -hmm. like resurface that fear. Have you ever felt different because of those challenges that the ADD has surfaced for you? I think that it's hard to start those conversations but once they get started, even having a class that's for kids that might have learning differences and just explaining how they work, a lot of kids get told they have these things, but they have no idea what it means. Informing people about them, reinforcing the fact that it's just a difference. Because no one learns the same, that's a hard thing for a lot of kids to get to because some education systems are so rigid. 
one of the best things that teachers ever told me is whatever works for you because it sort of accepts that everyone works differently. I feel like school is almost set up in a way that expects all students to learn the same way. Well, that's a really interesting concept to teach kids about their learning differences. I never really thought about that. I don't know that I as a teacher really know all the challenges that each learning difference presents. And if schools were more individualized, we could have a one-on-one meeting with each kid to find out what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Where do you struggle in my class? Where don't you struggle in my class? We don't have those conversations. I think that everyone should have some sort of special education because like we said, everyone lives and learns differently. It's hard too because it hurts the kids that don't have any special education, but it also lets the kids that have special education feel like they're way different. And it makes them think their learning difference is more of a learning disability. And it says, this is the system you can't learn in the system. So we're going to give you these special things. But if you're giving everyone these special things, then they don't necessarily think about it as a me problem. It's more of a system problem. The other thing I think enforcing with teachers that it's also just a strengths and weakness thing. And everyone has strengths and weaknesses. It doesn't matter depending on your learning differences. I think a lot of special educations like specialize for kids with dyslexia or kids with this point where you can get it down to where it's individualized and it's not necessarily as rigid about the learning difference. Everyone that has ADHD learns this way. It's more just a person-to-person thing. If we identify what each individual student's strengths and weaknesses are, then we can sort of help them identify, here's where you can collaborate with Ellery. Here's where you can collaborate with this other kid. What a great tool to provide students. I think we get lost in education in thinking that my subject, chemistry, is really the only valuable skill that I can teach you. When in reality, if I can teach you how to see your weaknesses can be supported by somebody else's strengths and vice versa, then that's a much better skill than any chemistry that I can ever teach you. The whole importance of collaboration is good. I've talked to kids that go to not super like academically rigorous programs and they're like, I don't collaborate. That's seen as like a weakness. That's me giving the other person help. But the whole point is when you go into jobs, it's collaborating. No one does anything on their own. And so I think that it's, it's an interesting concept to see as like, I'm strong, you're weak versus like, we all have little stuff and we all bring something to the table. We just have to combine it. I think a lot of teachers get stuck with what their subject they teach is. Teachers just have to know they're teaching more than just their subject. Where do you find the greatest challenges with your learning differences in the in the education system? I've been lucky and I've known I've had ADHD since I was little, but so many kids get diagnosed with them late and have no idea what to do with it. ADHD is weird because one, it's a learning difference, but there's also a whole mental aspect to it that people don't necessarily realize. I've always been really active. I've always been having like, go, go, go. It's just how I like keep myself intrigued. Over time, I learned organized chaos, but I've started to enjoy the fact that I can think about a lot of things. Do you have advice for teachers who maybe saw your struggles as a burden? I think it's hard because like I said, teachers are human. So it makes sense that you'd get frustrated if you keep explaining and explaining to them. But I think that every kid can be taught. That's just something teachers need to know. You can't see education too black and white. You have to be able to see that like every kid learns differently. For some teachers, it's hard because they feel like there's such a pressure to make the kid learn. In reality, even if you didn't teach half the content, by the end of the year, the kid at least learned how to ask for help. That's still something. A lot of teachers feel this need to get the kids to know the concepts and get the kids to know the curriculum, but teachers have to know that it's more than just that. And they are doing more than just that. Everything they say in middle school and high school transformational time, they could be doing negative things if they are just like 
treating the kid like a burden or like, I don't know how to help you anymore. That's obviously not going to help the kid with their self-esteem. That's probably just gonna make them check out and they're not going to learn the rest. But if you are still like, thanks for asking for help. Thanks for doing this. And just sort of like appreciative of it and keep reinforcing it. They're teaching more than the subject. And if they think a kid's being a burden to them, they probably are teaching them more than they think. Good advice. Do you have any advice for your peers? Academics are hard because there's such a competitiveness about them. And every kid at this age, I feel like they think they have to have it figured out. And I think they have to know what their thing is. They're either really good at this one sport or really good at academics or whatever. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. And you might have some strengths in the classroom and some in different classrooms. Everyone's different. And I think that's what makes society cool. I think that knowing schools for academics, but also you learn so much more there. And there's a whole social aspect and having conversations and learning about other people. I think just not to get caught up too much on your identity. It changes a lot throughout it. And that's the whole point. The whole point of it is to grow. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I'm excited to share your ideas. I think you had a lot of really insightful information to pass along. So thank you so much. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Unimagined. When Ellery shared the idea to help all students understand learning differences, it really struck me. Having a class where everyone learns their strengths and weaknesses as students so they can learn to use them in working with others and understanding where they need to find support from others, I never thought about students learning this way. As a teacher, I didn't take time to dive into what students needed or brought to the classroom. I wonder if I had spent time doing this, if it would have helped students identify ways to engage better with their peers. What was something this episode brought up for you? Remember, share the episode, comment on an issue you think I should ask a student, or help me connect to another student. You can follow me on all social media platforms at Peers Not Fears. The theme music for this podcast, Unimagined, was written and produced by another fellow educator, Keith McClendon. Imagine what they will do